Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Socially Savvy, broadcasting live here at Gunnar Nordstrom's Gallery in Bellevue. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, LB Duchess, with co-host Jason of Seattle Wedding Exchange. Hello. And Renessa Rios of so many things. I started thinking about three-step dating, love CEO, an author. The list just goes on. Yes. Hello. Hello, everyone. So um, feel free to give us a call in at 323-843-6090 if uh, you hear something that you just can't resist on commenting on. Yes. We, we love the interaction. We love Come hearing from our listeners. Today's show is brought to you by Natchez Heights Vineyard and Cascade Ice, only two calories. Um, our the interview is with Philip Klein, and we're very excited to have him in. As a winemaker, we don't necessarily get winemakers very often. We'll get no. like the managers or some of the people in the marketing, but it's really nice to have an actual winemaker in the house today. Yep. Um, he's going to be chatting on winemaking versus growing and farming organic, which are things that I hadn't really even thought about until our brief conversation on the phone. So I'm excited to hear Nice. What he has to bring. Um, we're also going to be chatting on bringing back socially acceptable and unacceptable and socially savvy hints. Mm. Mm-hmm. Learn how to pick up on the socially yes. savvy hints. This is big. I love that. The hints are huge <laughs> in dating, in conversation, yeah. in everything. I think people don't even know what hints are. No, they don't. Big. It, it's like a base. You got to learn. Head, yeah, you know. that we don't have baseball Ugh. bats anymore. You need to learn to listen. You have two ears and one mouth. My favorite phrase. Yeah. Love it. Totally. Okay, Mr. Jason, take it away. So we have some lovely wines here. Why don't you uh, tell us what we're going to be tasting today, our first wine. Jason, we're going to be tasting the 2010 uh, Natchez Heights Pinot Gris. Uh, We produce this right off of our estate in Natchez Heights, which is just west of Yakima, on the foothills of the Cascades, up where they said that we couldn't grow grapes. Right. I love that. That's one of the smallest Washington Appalachians, right? Yes, we uh we are for acreage we're one of the smallest, but uh for size of total acres for the ABA we're definitely not one of the smallest. Red Mountain would be uh smaller by acreage. Um, really? Wow. Okay, love this. It yeah, is delicious. Um I was surprised it there's the dry down is really slow, so you mm-hmm. have you're left with this nice soft juice feel in your mouth? Well, mouth feel is very important to uh, most of us. You know, the word smooth comes up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't hear it so much with people, uh, uh, you know, as, as a word for description, but for most of us, uh, we like that. And, yeah. And uh, I think that one of the things that's been really rewarding for me has been the fact that the uh, most of the wines that we have produced off of that Vineyard have had very elegant mouthfeel and very nice tannins. I would yeah. you know, I would really agree with that. Elegant is a good terminology for this, cause especially for somebody who maybe doesn't have the wine sophistication. Maybe they're mm-hmm. not they wouldn't consider themselves wine savvy or wine knowledgeable. But this is one that you don't really feel like you have to. You just it tastes good. Right. It like you said, it feels good in your mouth. Yes. You don't feel like you have to pucker and, and try to make an excuse. Oh, there's a lot of tannins in that one, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. I think that what's nice about it, you get nice fruit flavors, which are expressed from our our soils up there, which are very uh, rich. Uh, they're loess uh, or less, whatever you pronunciation, which is basically wind-blown soils. Mm-hmm. They're very rich because we're on the Pacific Rim, which is very volcanic and. Uh, 
was in 1980, I had about an inch of uh, ash deposited on oh, my, my yeah. property from Mount St. Helens. So it hasn't been that long since... Uh, you got a replenishment of the soil. Yeah. Yes, a little bit of uh, a little shot there. Love uh, that. Marks. So give us a little bit of history on um, kind of how you started and, and why. Well, this is basically uh, something that I um, just kind of stumbled upon because I was my family's been in the uh, tree fruit industry for three generations, and I've been involved in growing apples and pears and cherries and peaches and nectarines nice. and plums and you know all of these different fruits and, and in 1999 and 2000 uh, I made a, a decision that I wanted to do something else with my life so this in effect was kind of a midlife crisis. I was say this me. is your second life kind yeah. of like like mine was socially the, savvy. <laughs> the tree fruit business was getting so big that I had to either reinvest huge amounts of money to retool for all the new varietals that are now out there that you are all enjoying, wow. you know, like Honey Crisp and Fuji's and Galas. And when I was growing just 12 years ago, it was there was very few of those varietals available. It was mostly Golden Delicious, Red Delicious. You might get some Jonathan's or Johnny Gold's. Or, there wasn't a lot of new varieties. So in one way, I did my part to help the apple industry by getting out, getting out. and doing something else. <laughs> nice. But we've had a lot of fun. We like growing uh, things, and uh, this has been a way to sustain my lifestyle. And uh, if you ever get a chance to get to Natchez Heights, you'll know why I work very hard to do that. Nice. So those rose-colored glasses you're wearing, there's not any symbolism there at all, is there? Well, you know, <laughs> people ask me about the glasses, and uh, uh, I've been wearing them actually since about 1980, which is when Mount St. Helens erupted. I don't know if there's a correlation there or not. Wow. But uh, uh, right now they're a prescription for the economy. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it does help to to look at the world through rose-colored glasses. I think a little bit, you know, and I love your approach and and instead of getting overwhelmed and frustrated by the whole apple thing and okay, what am I going to do? You just you threw gears, shifted gears and and you took off down another road and on another adventure. And I think that's to be yeah, uh, yeah that's to be praised. Yeah. I like it. And thank, and thank to bring you. wine like this in, yum. It's very good. <laughs> well, you know, the first release I had from my Vineyard was a uh, was Pinot Gris and Riesling in 2006, and the the Riesling got 91 points in the Wine and Spirits magazine. So I knew I was nice. off to a really good start you with had fruit a, quality. You knew what you needed. Yeah, right. And uh, I always knew from the fact being growing the fruits that we were we had up there that this was a, a region that's rich and, and can be very abundant. And uh, the fact that these uh, grapes have turned out as well as they have has certainly been a wonderful bonus to the uh, Well, project. and a tribute to you. Yeah, right. well, thank you. To understanding. I love that. Okay, so the next thing we get to chat on, we're going to take a quick little break here. And one of our sponsors this week is the new Mirror Ultra Lounge and um, yes. suite here over where Munch Bar used to be. Yes. They took over Piano Bash. They quite literally... Uh, revamped the whole thing. And when I say the whole thing, I mean the attitude of the place, the food of the place, the um, decor, even the overall feel when you walk in. Right. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be at the VIP Open on Thursday night and got to sample some of the food and was chatting with them. And so they were gracious enough to send over some of their appetizers for us to try. 
Uh, so with their brand new menu, the first appetizer is a chicken. Chicken saute. Saute. And it's, with uh, pickled cucumbers. I was going to say, it's served on a bed of pickled cucumbers. I love it. Uh, juicy. It, I, what I liked really about the presentation is they left it in big cuts which means the meat stays juicier for longer. Yes. So, I like it. Very, it's got a, it's very tender. Yeah, that's what I was noticing. I cheated and had one earlier. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm like going, do I want to chew on camera? I don't no, it's really, really good. I like it. Yeah, we're it, really fortunate. They've just created a brand new menu, and so they're constantly re going through and doing different things with the menu. We actually get to do a live broadcast from there on the 11th. The 11th. So right. we get to be in the new space, which we're very, very excited to be. Very delicious. They also brought, uh, did you want to talk about the other ones they brought? Yeah, yes. Why don't we have Why don't we have one of the other appetizers, and we can chat about that. And while we're doing that, I will um, tell you a little bit about Femme City Seattle. Professionals, connections, ambitious professionals, women through connection lunches. Oh my goodness, here comes the food already. Organative workshops, social media, and femfessional.com creating individual communities within cities around the world. Their mission to connect and enable women worldwide to reach their ultimate potential by offering endless resources through the Femfessionals organization. A Femfessional is defined as an uber connected, business savvy professional woman with a positive outlook and a knack for success. Go to femfessional.com for more information. It's so delicious. We have is a meat slider. I know. It looks decadent, too. With uh, fried onions on top. And we want to encourage all of our um, listeners who are here tonight to to try these. That's why we brought them in. Uh, There'll be wine circulating here in just a few minutes. But uh, our sponsors, they they bring this in so that we can try it. And they want to get our feedback, too. They want to hear what you liked. And, you know, if there isn't something that didn't quite... You know, please you let them know, but do it with a positive twist. Say, you know, I prefer this, but uh, uh, go on their Facebooks. Let them know what you like. Message them on the backside. Yep. Just you know, let them know what it is that's going on, uh, how you found out about them. I yep. think that's the big the big thing. We're so we are. I love this. All right, so let's go ahead and go in and start on um, winemaking versus growing. You had actually brought up this topic, and it was not one that I had ever thought of or heard about. Or did I tell you that grape growers have more fun? Um, no, but I would believe that. <laughs> <laughs> grape growers have more fun than the winemakers. Well, um, think of it this way: winemakers have got all the privilege and uh, the rewards of seeing if they what they've done in their their production facility meets consumers' uh, uh, satisfaction, but they're inside and. They only get out occasionally. Um, the good winemakers that I'm working with, obviously, are out in the vineyards a lot, but their job is basically inside. I prefer to be outside, um, eastern Washington, big sky. Uh, I mean, it's beautiful over there, um, shrub step. Um, so I get that working out in the field, uh, gratification, working with my hands out in, yep. in the sunlight. And... Uh, so you actually do both. Yeah, it's uh it's uh the the truth of the matter is is that when I work at the winery, uh my primary uh skill set is with a forklift because I'm really good with it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but other other than that, I all I do is I uh work with very talented people who have a passion for growing grapes who assist me 
um, as consultants, and um, we make wine that way. It's uh, a it's a fun fun way to to uh, to 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 create something because if you don't have a passion, I don't think you're going to do it very well. And my passion is basically growing grapes. And um, I do like to drink, so that's 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 that fun helps. too. Hand yeah. in hand, that's a yeah, good thing. That's, you know, that's who doesn't drink and own a wine? Who be a winemaker? I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, for you as a as a winemaker and a grower, are you controlling and utilizing all of your own grapes? Are you resourcing any additional grapes in to um, add a little bit of variety to what you're doing, or do you have enough going on with with your acreage? One of the Fun things that I'm doing is with my management business, um, other acres that I'm uh, growing for other people, I have first opportunity at the grapes. And, um, oh, nice. Yeah, I get to, I know what happened with all season long because I was involved with it. Currently, I'm working with um, two different um, vineyards that I, that I grow grapes on, two Coyote Vineyards and Washington Good Earth. And they're both in the Zilla area. And I'm getting um, a lot of the my Syrah and Cabernet Franc and um, red red varietals. Uh, I'm getting um, Tempranillo and Movedra. Nice. Um, those things that uh, <clears throat> that don't do as well in a cooler climate, such as the Natchez Heights AVA, especially on my my estate, because I'm in a area that's probably one of the cooler sites in Natchez Heights. There's better places than my vineyard uh, currently producing. And uh, that just happened to be a piece of property that I owned, and it was better to start off that way. So do you think that it impacted your wines in a, in a positive versus um, where somebody else might have thought, well, I need more warmer weather? Or did you just know how to manage the ground well enough to really maximize what you were getting out of it? Well, we took some short coursework with Walla Walla Community College when I first got out of the Apple business. I did some short coursework with WSU Branch Campus in the YV, or down in the Tri-Cities. Um, I got a good feel of what I needed to do, but it's taken me at least, this is my 10th year, and um, I think I had the basics covered, but <clears throat> there's a lot of intricacy in growing grapes, and I've <clears throat> been fortunate to be in an industry that has been extremely helpful. Every time I ask a question uh, with somebody who's been in the business for a while, um, they were more than gracious and shared the information uh, I don't think that would have happened, uh, you know, 30 years from now in Washington. I hope it will continue to happen that way. But if I was in Napa, I would I would be paying somebody a lot of money for that's what's that been said about Washington that's wineries. Is yeah. that they're very friendly. Everybody helps each other out. You know, it's more like a family in a community than yeah. it is a, a competition. And the the approach that I see a lot of these wineries taking is, yeah, we're competing for for sales, but at the same time. If I throw a really great product and you throw yes. a really great product, we're going to actually get more people to drink more wine so it benefits everybody. Yeah. Um, and I do. I, I think you're right. I hope that it continues on because the consensus I've heard across the board is other winemakers, they actually take pride in being able to help the new grower, be uh, the new winemaker because um, they almost get to live vicariously again through their beginnings, through the next winemaker. Kind of like kids. I love it. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of lot of fun and and like I, I like to thank a lot of the people out there. I can't name them all, but uh, you know who you are. Uh, you've helped me a lot, and um, you know, ten years into it, I feel like I've got a pretty good understanding. But uh, I still have a lot to learn. Um, it's uh, 
like I said, there's a lot, there's devils in the details. There's so many little things that's like water management is the, our biggest tool in Washington, and knowing when to give the grapes the, their uh, water and when not to. Uh -huh. um, last couple years, we've had some very difficult growing conditions and uh, very short seasons with a lot of moisture, and uh, mildew has been a big problem. And you know, you learn over the course of observation and doing that uh, a clean canopy with lots of air being able to move through it um, is very important. So if you have over vigorous plants, they're going to create a monster canopy, and that's going to block air, and mildew is going to become more and more of a problem. And when so you're it's about balance. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> very much. all about balance. And uh, we, when you're growing organically and biodynamically, you have to be very proactive because we don't have resources that have the potential to kick back, you know, 96 hours. You know, you, you can be sloppy farming conventionally, mm -hmm. whereas growing organically and biodynamically, you'd be proactive. You look at the weather, uh, you apply, uh, to, you know, like today it rained in Yakima, and, and everybody's on standby. As soon as it dries out, they're going to be putting on an elemental sulfur. And, um, you know, we're, we're very judicious in trying to create a situation where we don't have that problem this year because mildew... Uh, is certainly very damaging, and wineries accept, have zero tolerance for mildew. Oh, so yeah, but mildew there's no in flavor in mildew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so explain to me. I've never heard the term biodynamically before. Um, what is that? Biodynamics is a, is a uh, farming uh, technique or program or philosophy, if you will, that Rudolf Steiner started at the turn of the century in Germany and Austria. Um, he was a scientist and a uh, clairvoyant. He also started the Waldorf schools. Um, I was going to say, I know that yeah. name. My niece went to the Waldorf schools. <laughs> I'm very, very familiar very, with uh, that program. Very out there gentleman, but he was asked by a bunch of the farmers in that area to help um, them grow their crops better. Because if you think about Europe at that time, they'd been farming about 100 years with conventional means, uh, with all the new uh, industrial revolution going on and all the things that were available to them, basically giving the plants support, um, but not the soil. And They forgot about the base. They, they forgot about where they, the plants eat. Yeah. And Steiner believed that we were all, we were all intricately... Um, com connected, connected. So the farthest movement in a galaxy at the farthest point of the universe has some influence on what happens in our daily lives. <clears throat> so if you take that one step to the to a smaller step to your uh, vineyard per se, and and um, everything in that vineyard is part of your universe, and you're going to be using all of the things that that are there available to you as a and you try to find ways to make them an asset. Um, you know, for example, uh, plants that we don't like are called weeds. <laughs> that we don't like. <laughs> I like that, that we don't like. We don't like. Uh, they're plants, and they have a purpose. And um, if you're attuned to what they're doing, uh, you can um, actually know what the soil's like. If you see certain plants growing in the soil, you might know that there's more acid in the soil. I was going to say, you, it, it's an indicator. Or there's more alkaline. It's right, an indicator, right. yes. Yeah. So I have had to learn from my conventional roots to be more observant. But luckily for me, I've always been pretty observant, and it hasn't been that big of a stretch. But Steiner, uh, we use um, uh, the astronomical um, 
index the charts the planets we we, we do things on a calendar yeah there's it's all rhythm yeah and there are actually this afternoon tomorrow and the next day are actually days that it's not suggested to be doing anything in manipulation with plant on top of the ground or in the soil that was a perfect time for you to venture over here with us perfect (laughs) plus it's raining over here so it's yes well and if you're going to rain it doesn't matter where you are if it's raining (laughs) right it's hard it's hard to go out in the field and and uh, when it's wet like that so just out of curiosity because i have a little bit of knowledge of of some of the attributes and stuff with when you're referring to different plants and their acidity levels and how they affect the the ground would uh, the different plants i know bring in different kinds of bees which can create different kinds of influence on the wine grapes as well because they're pollinating right how much attention do you have to pay to that in in what you're talking about here well, the bees is a nice example, but not necessarily for grapes because grapes okay. are self-pollinating. Uh, what we worry about with grapes is uh, is moisture like this because it uh, can interfere with the pollination process. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, uh, at this point, with the rain event that happened today, I don't have any vineyards that are in bloom. But those oh, that good. do are probably having some problems because the pollen's not going to come out and stick. Uh, it's going to be wet and uh, probably abort. Um, so that's part of farming. That's something I've been used to. Um, I think with the biodynamic ideas, um, you know, you, you understand that that you can't do everything on time. I mean, nature is, time is kind of irrelevant to nature. And nature's whimsical yeah. right. <laughs> at best. And, and we as humans think we have some control over what's going on, but we're totally, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not right. so much. We, we really don't because we're not going to be, you know, the, I'm, positive the earth will be here and we may not be you know it's been here a lot longer than we have that's for certain yeah well thank you so much i learned like a ton and you guys are going to totally laugh at me i did not realize that um grapevines were self-pollinating i had no idea yeah i've got so much to learn (laughs) (laughs) they are happy plants all by themselves they don't need nothing else Okay, so I think we're going to bounce into our second tasting here. Yep. I'm excited. What What is the second tasting? What wine do we get to indulge in? Well, we're going to be able to indulge in, when we get some of that wine over here. It's actually my 2011 Rosé. Oh, I love the name of this. This yeah. one got me. And uh, we called it Vouge Day. Um, I'm a big fan of George Carlin. And... Um, there's, uh, I think there's one opened in the uh, on the bar over there. There it is. Yeah. Here yeah. it comes. Yeah. We're all waiting for the second tasting. Bring yeah. it, please. Anyway, uh, George Carlin had uh, a skit or a comedy routine, Lose Your Day. And if you go to YouTube, you can see it. I know I'm going to want to go. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's the opposite of deja vu. And so this rosé is going to seem like it's never happened before. Oh, I like that. It's 100% Movedra from Two Coyote Vineyard. And um, Two Coyote Vineyard is Zilla, and it just got its uh, live certification and salmon safe approval last year. Wow. And um, very aromatic. I was going to say, it has a very, it has a beautiful scent to it, and the color is delicate. I designed the color to go with my glasses. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> quite right, but, you know, that's in nature, you never do quite get it right. right. No, this is amazing. I, I mean, the delicacy of the color is beautiful, but the scent. Last year was a perfect year for Washington to make rosé because we had mm-hmm. one of the coldest years in 50 years of, of beautiful. Uh, 
so this rose this rosé was created the the natural way by picking grapes when they are underripe because these were underripe Moved grapes that were going to be a red wine, but they got to 21 bricks, and you know can't do it at 21 bricks. Yeah. But I was very pleased the way it turned out. So the grapes have a they have a home in a bottle, and then hopefully people will find it and like it and want to give them a home in their house. Now this one has a very unique flavor, Jason. What kinds of foods do you think would be good to pair with it? For no, <laughs> no, I like it's got you know hints of strawberries. Sure, I you know put it with a like a light springy pasta, you know maybe. Oh, a, that's a great idea. Because you know, it's springtime and whatnot, and for those listening, bricks doesn't mean actually stone; it means sugar. So those. I was wondering on. about that. I'm glad you said that. There's a cool little device that they have that looks like a pair, like a telescope, but it actually splits through the um, the light and the sugar, and it when the different levels. Refractometer. Yes, refractometer. I was trying to think of the word, so it's really cool. I feel like a kindergartner with you in the room, though. <laughs> Although a very happy kindergartner, but <laughs> I realize just how much I don't know about wine. So this, this rosé actually would have been perfect with the chicken, and I mm-hmm. haven't tasted the, the slider yet, but rosé is the most versatile of all yes. of the food wines. Uh, in France today, it's the number one wine. They drink more mm-hmm. rosé than they drink still sparkling red. I heard that, and it's I was really shocked by that. I love like rose wine. I mean, over red, mm-hmm. over white. It's just like, do you have anything in a rose? And most places don't. They're, you know, especially when you go to like places for happy hour, things like that. It's either red or white. Lower alcohol. Well, and I find a lot of palates um, aren't used to it. For they're, they're, they, they're they haven't really trained their palates. I, I know when I started drinking wine, I was fortunate enough to chat with um, one of the wine guys at. I don't remember what his name was, but at the restaurant we were working at, and he literally told me how to train my palate to start, where to start with the whites to help me to enjoy the different wines, because at that point I didn't enjoy really any of them. And I'd like jump all over the place, and I couldn't really grasp right. any of it. And it was really helpful for me to, I did, I could tell that you know every little step made me appreciate, and I could pick up different notes of the thing. So, you know, if you feel like you're have, you're struggling and you've tried a, you know, you've gone and you've tried a Bordeaux and you've tried a, a Chardonnay and you've tried a, um, a Cab and you're all over the place and you just aren't feeling like you're grabbing the wine, you know, talk to somebody like Jason right. who can introduce you to, there's different ways you can train your palate to start to appreciate and then get to the point where you enjoy wine because I know a lot of people struggle with that. They want to like wine, but they just. Haven't well, coming from found a the right one. restaurant background, you know, I, when I was apprenticeship, you know, you really had red wine, white wine, and people didn't like, ooh, rosé, put, put it over there. And now it's, you know, now we've got so many different varietals, so many different mixtures, so many different blends. It's like, it's amazing. It's just like fruit, you know. You know, fruits growing in beef. Yeah. Beef, no, we didn't have Kobe, you know, beef. Oh, like, my gosh, you know, yeah. 20 years ago. Well, at least not here. Not here. <laughs> Across the world, maybe. Yeah. Well, that was absolutely delicious. delicious. I'm do, you, do you get the, uh, for me, I get, uh, I love grapefruit. And this has got like Texas ruby red I was going to say, this has got that grapefruit. grapefruit. The, I am a grapefruit fish. girl. I mean, I, the scary part about this is I'm a grapefruit girl. I like grapefruit in the morning. And there's this Breakfast really twisted of part of right me here. that would go, oh, I would take a glass of this now. in the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, new, new. Is that a socially savvy way to start the day? I don't know. <laughs> I've tried it with oatmeal. It works just fine. Yep. Yeah, it has a, and um, again, just a very, very, very unique flavor. I would encourage anybody very to try this. I think you would really enjoy it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, Pop Chips, a socially savvy favorite, delicious, all natural, and healthier. That's Pop Chips. When they said it couldn't be done, they raised the snack bar. Thanks to the magic of popping, they found a way to pop all the flavor in while keeping the fake stuff out and more than half the fat and of fried chips. With 10 flavors, there's something for everyone. Find them at the grocery stores nearest you. Yep. I love the Pop Chips. I love I, tried, the Pop Chips. You know, for those that come down, we have Pop Chips sometimes in the swag bag, and we've taken some home and tried them with different, you know, flavorings, salsa, oh, guacamole, yeah. you know. I, really good. The, here's the thing about Pop Chips, and I'm just going to go off on a tangent here. Pop chips are not a typical potato chip. You can treat them as a potato chip. You can treat them as a cracker. So you can dip with them. You can throw cheeses on them. There are so many different things. To me, it's really like the most versatile. I like to keep the smaller bags in the in the cupboard because you can, if you're going to an event and you don't know what they're going to be serving for wine or you don't know what they're going to be serving, grab three different flavors, grab two different sauces, you're good to go. Yep. You're going to be able to create some kind of a combination. We did a horseradish uh, cheese. I grabbed a horseradish cheese and a couple of different flavors, and that it was a hit. Yes. No, we had wasabi cheese. Wasabi. Yeah, yeah, w- was, yes, I had uh, a horseradish wasabi. Maybe it was – I can't remember. Anyway, it was really good. It was good. It was really good. No, I like it because they, 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 <laughs> they're a little bit sturdy, but they're not so hard that you break you know, you know break your teeth. You yeah. Know, you can scoop with it. No, I think, they're, I think they're the sophisticated potato chips. Sophisticated. Yep. We're sophisticated. We're sophisticated, yes. So I, we got a question. Yes, what's the question? Organic growing versus regular. What does it do for us? Well, Back so, to you, Phil. A, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't read. Well, you know, there's a slider in front of me, and I was hungry, and I'm. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Okay, I'm good. I should have given you a longer break to eat. My bad. <laughs> well, that's a great question. Organic versus conventional type of farming. Um, I think I alluded earlier to um, the observations of what goes on in plant physiology. I like to equate plant health to human health. Yeah. And organic is giving the soil uh, and the plant what it needs so that it can build up its own immune system. If you think of conventional farming, I like to use the analogy of you're hooked up. You're hooked up to IV. Everything the plant needs, we can dial it in with science and give it to them. Yeah. But in nature, death is part of life. And sometimes in conventional farming, we are sustaining life that should not be there. The fruit quality is not as good. The plant becomes sick. But because of conventional farming techniques, we can shoot it with micronutrients. We can, we can continue its life. But the quality of its life is not good, and the fruit quality is not good. Mm-hmm. Organic, those plants are being taken out. They're being uh, taken out of the feeding cycle by organisms at the uh, rhizome layer in the roots. And uh, amazingly enough, the plants communicate with all the microorganisms by emitting almost like pheromones to uh, attract beneficials and and, uh, even predatorial nematodes. Um, Predatorial nematodes are attacked by sweetness, which is generated by the root system, and the plant's trying to get itself stimulated by being attacked, just like the immune system in the human body. Once it's attacked, it can send out the the, uh, white... The little troop to go and fight it. Right, exactly. So if it's not strong enough in the organic world, it's not going to make it, and we will take it out, and we will replant it. Um, In the conventional, it could last years, but that fruit quality, that plant, 
is really not giving anything really back to to any, yeah. anybody. The other thing I think is that when you're giving plants all of what they need, they become fat and fat and sassy and flabby and whatever because they're lazy. Organic, <laughs> you know, they're, they're a fine-tuned machine, mm-hmm. and uh, I really do believe that you'll find in the um, in sustainable or organically farmed products, you're going to get just a little cleaner flavors, um, maybe softer. Um, maybe the acids stick out just a little bit more, but it's more distinct. Um, they've done a lot of research and at the university level. Still today, it's very hard to quantify and say that organic fruit actually tastes better than uh, conventionally farmed fruit. Uh, but for me, it's a, it's a uh, lifestyle choice. And I'm trying to create a healthier environment for the piece of property that I live on right now that's better shaped than when my father passed it on to me. So living by example. Right. Now, question, when you're talking organic, is is part of that process in in organic farming, um, I've heard of the process where you're rotating crops, so different crops you'll have on different soils because they take different nutrients out and put, put different nutrients in, just like you were saying with the ash from Mount St. Helens. Um, does that factor in when you're talking about grapes? Because I know grapes can go, you know, you can have a 100-year-old grapevine. Is it one of those things where you're putting other plants around it to re-nutrient the ground? Yeah, or? yeah there's, uh, there's lots of little tools that, that you can use by just a simple cover crop of, uh, of nitrogen-fixing uh, legumes or, or uh, clover. Uh, okay, ex- that's a good one. That's, I, under, I know what clover is. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I was waiting for something I understood. <laughs> well, I use white Dutch clover on some of my vineyards for <laughs> nitrogen-fixing. It's also a good ground cover, it has, and it, it takes out a lot of the other weeds. It out-competes out them. Okay. And uh, it's... Um, doesn't take a lot of water. It can be somewhat drought tolerant because, like I mentioned earlier, water is our biggest tool in how we uh, grow grapes in Washington, and maybe separates us from the rest of the world is because water is our trigger. And our water management systems have to be ideal. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we're in the biodynamic world, and the especially we are trying to create more microdiversity. We have um, lavender. We have we have clover. We have uh, 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 natural like um, fescues, things that are that are indigenous to the region mm-hmm. to help promote promote plant health. Mm-hmm. I love it. I learned more today. I feel like I'm back in school. We're gonna actually yes, we're gonna try the third the third appetizer here in just a second. Um, my brain, I don't know. I'm looking forward to going back and listening to the show. I'm gonna take notes. <laughs> no, I, and you can see that with you know. Uh, flowers too, like at our house, you know, we grow, try to grow with no herbicides and any of that. So, oh, we've got ourselves the mozzarella balls and tomatoes, cherry tomatoes. I know, I'm really excited. I don't know what these sauces are. Um, Mirror was so fabulous in um, providing appetizers. I We had talked earlier this week because they just opened their new place this last Thursday. Right. And of course, you know, being socially savvy, we want to be up on the hottest new things going yeah. on on the east side. You know, the new flavors, uh, the new places to go hang out and check out. And they ran these over for us today. We talked about it this weekend and uh, she didn't get a chance to drop off a menu or anything. She's just like, just enjoy it. So um, thank you, Chanel and Mirror. We're very excited to be trying all of your your newest additions to your menu. 
uh, as well as anybody who lives on the east side, or if you live on Seattle and you're looking for a great east side experience, you yeah, need to come, come over. The the Bellevue nightlife has literally blown up, and Kirkland is blown up again too. So you can have a fabulous experience starting at one end or the other. You know, you could use that growing philosophy to restaurants and bars. Sometimes they just need to die. Yeah, well, most Something of them have died, comes. and most and all the good ones are now coming out. I'm yep. very very excited. So, okay, so Jason, tell us a little bit about the flavors on this bugger. And what? The wine or the... No, no, the, the tomato, tomato, mozzarella oh, wine. Oh, actually, I didn't yeah. get one. So you oh, well, to I'm going to give you mine, and then you can tell us. Oh, and I'll, I'll get one. Yes, I'll get another one. It's like little, uh, looks like a pesto sauce. I'm going to taste it right now and let you know. I like the, the little mini mozzarella balls. I think it's cute. Well, and it's very delicate. It's not a, a, one of those that you look at it and you go, okay, that's overly complicated. You know, it's too heavy, it's too this, whatever, but... You're the food connoisseur person, so yeah, definitely I'm in, a little bit of a pesto, a little, a little bit of mint in there. I, I dipped in both sauces. I don't know if that's oh. savvy or not, but I thought I would try. Oh, are they both different? I can't. Yes, see. there's one that's pesto, and then one that looks like it's an oil, like ah. a kind of an olive oil. We'll be getting back to our listeners on exactly what it was we were eating live, but yeah, olive oil and garlic. <laughs> but if you want to check it out, definitely go to the Mirror Ultra Lounge. It is on the backside of Munch Bar, which has been completely revamped. Um, I know that for a while there, you know, they were new, the new place in town, yes. and as such, every demographic decided they were going to go through there, and a less than happy one settled in there for a while, but they took care of that as any good business would and got yep. them the heck out yep. of there. So we're really excited to have them in Bellevue and see the new changes and stuff that they brought. And uh, again, next what, next, week, next week, next week, next week, we get to be eating and drinking and tasting all of their libations. Yes, I'm excited about that. So what did you taste in that second sauce? Uh, one one is uh, the pesto, and the other one uh, looks to be an oil and vinegar with garlic. That's okay. What I get out of it. And a little Parmesan inside. That was awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. You mixed the two, so you kind of threw me off guard. Like, I'm sorry. I'm a mixer. <laughs> okay. And you know what I liked about their mozzarella? It wasn't watery. Sometimes mozzarella balls are watery. Oh. You know? So isn't that how they're packed? Yeah, how they're, how they're packed. But mm-hmm. when you take them out and let it soak up the oil, it so. Nice. And we love Gary. Yes, thank you, <laughs> we are not going to say what he said. <laughs> Socially acceptable and unacceptable, the perfect cue for Gary. We decided to bring this back because blunt seems to work best. So here we go. We're going to start with a socially acceptable. Um, socially acceptable and unacceptable were basically our way of answering questions for people. There are things when you're out and you're like, you know, is it okay for me to do this? Um, and then those are the socially acceptable, trying to, to clarify and give people information like, for instance, in wine tasting, it is completely okay to ask questions. Um, the, what isn't okay in wine tasting is to talk over the wine maker. Uh, we have a story about that a little bit later, but yes. that's just a per, kind of a little example about what we're talking about. So socially acceptable, one of the things I wanted to bring up, and this is, makes me less than popular with anybody who is in the industry of service, but having been in the industry of service, I feel it's really important to talk about and to point out it is acceptable to tip less than 20%. Mm-hmm. And here's why. The definition is a tip is a sum of money given to someone as, and I quote, a reward for their service. Shall I say that again? A reward for their service. Mm-hmm. If you don't provide good service, then you don't deserve the reward. 
This is we we are now moving past the whole politically correct and um, everybody needs to feel good about themselves and you know little Kumbaya. Johnny we don't you know we can't do um, most valuable player because little Johnny's not going to feel good about himself and not going to want to play next year. No, if little Johnny doesn't make VIP or MVP, then maybe he'll buck up and work a little bit harder yep. next year. Uh, and and I feel like we've got to stop enabling people to be mediocre. We've got to stop enabling people to be less than who they are because not only does it make our social experience less, but it also hurts them in their everyday yes. life because they think, oh, well, I, I only have to do this. And then they go and do something else in life and they're going, well, why isn't it good enough over here? Well, it wasn't good enough over there, yep. but nobody told you. So it, there we are. I'm done. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Definitely true. You know, something that's not you know socially acceptable to go up to the manager and say, "Hey, you know, I'm missing my food." You know, yeah. Don't be afraid. You know, I mean, bring a service to you. You know, if the service is that bad, don't leave a dollar. You know, five percent. Go talk to the manager. Oh, but I'll leave a quarter. It's so they can call someone who cares. Yeah. But I will talk to the manager. I'm sorry, that was really that was no, that was socially acceptable. That was just yeah. very blunt. No? That's right. That's why we're doing this. It's blunt. Um, no, but you have to have the the minerals to kind of stand up and sit that and say that you, yeah. you yourself have to be willing to go. Hey, this is not acceptable. Well, and the, again, if you have be a complaint, real and professional, of course. Exactly, I was going to say, if you have a complaint, if you have a genuine concern, if you, again, we come into places and we're willing to spend our hard-earned money mm-hmm. for the service. We're willing for somebody to prepare foods for us, bring them to us, and take care of us. That's why we go out. Uh, and if you're not getting that service, it is completely acceptable to go up to the manager, completely acceptable to challenge. Um, and I know Vanessa would agree a lot of it is in how you approach it. Try to be yes. positive. Try to be um, maybe understanding that maybe they're having a bad day. That doesn't mean you enable them to continue having a bad day, but maybe you find a way to twist it a little bit and and say something like, I don't know, are you having a bad day? You know, is it, do you need another couple of minutes before you come back to our table? That's a really nice way of saying, hey, you know, your service is kind of sucking. We're okay with that, but take get your act together, take a break, and come back. We've done that before. It's like I see you really oh, yeah. busy. Just don't Just worry. Just give us a few minutes. We're, right. we're good. We're not in any kind of rush. So there's ways that you can help people to get through those humps without actually enabling them. Oh yeah, and I think that also too is is one of the things that I look at mediocre service. This goes and applies to all levels. This goes into your career. This goes into dating. This goes into service. Know your audience. Yes. This is the deal. People oh, yeah. don't even recognize their audience and their service and what they're doing and what they want to receive. So if we're looking at going to an actual server and, and a waiter staff, you chose this job. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is what you decided to do. May not be your career, but this is what you're doing today, right and you now. need to take pride in it. Exactly, you need and to give so, it everything you hey, have. We're happy because I know I don't want to cook today. I just showed up at this restaurant. You're here to serve me. Thank you. Yeah, we're already at the yes. thank you. You're here. Take now my do your order, job. please. You know, <laughs> but at the same time, being able to have that respect and courtesy on both sides. Yeah, and if this isn't something for you, just like if you're, you're struggling in dating and you're seeing, I don't. This my audience. I'm having a hard time relaying my needs and my wants to my audience. This is where, you know, MVP or becoming that superstar in dating, you don't want to be that big charmer player guy. 
Yeah. Right. So know your audience where it becomes authentic, creating great conversations and being able to ask your table, hey, how is your week going? How was your weekend? And then for singles out there, being able to have authentic conversations just like that, know your audience. It's not just about you. So when you show up to a singles event, it's not, hey, who's here going to say hi to me? Right. So when you show up at a restaurant, it's like, how many tips am I going to make tonight? How much tips? It's not just about you, but what kind of service can I give? Who can I connect with? It applies on both levels. Well, and I think you make a really good point. You know, whether you're single or or in a long-term relationship, everything yeah. that you do, every interaction you have with another human being um, has a ripple effect. Exactly. It, you can affect the people around you. Um, the big thing that I learned is you can change your mind at any time. If at 7 o'clock in the morning, I woke up at 2.30 this morning to the dogs barking. Okay, not a morning person. Hello. If I'm up drinking till 2.30, okay, we're good with that. But getting up at 2.30, not, not a pretty fun. picture. Not pretty. Got up, was really patient, took the dogs down. You know, They took care of their business, couldn't go back to sleep. Went and did my worked on socially savvy for an hour and a half on on Facebook and everything else, and then went back to bed. Now, typically, that would have made for a really just rotten day for me. It's raining out. I love the rain. The weather is killing me because I want to go for a run, and I open my sliding glass door and I'm like, "Girl, I can't even run," you know. And you can find that you can kind of struggle, but at any moment, yeah. And I made a choice this morning. It's like you know, okay, it's been a rough go this morning. I'm still gonna have a great day. Yeah. You can have a terrible day. You can, up until 9 o'clock at night, at any given point, you can make a decision to change your day, to change the outcome of your day. And I think a lot of us give up on that. They think, oh, you know, the day's already gone to hell, so it doesn't matter. No. You have, until the moment you shut your eyes, you can make decisions that change the outlook of the entire day. Just start smiling. Oh, yeah. Just start smiling. I do. If I feel I'm in a bad mood, I'll be like... Suck it up even, and smile. Even if it's a fake smile, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I'm actually feeling good now. You know. Well, people apply their emotions to circumstances. Yes, mm-hmm. they do. And it's very common. I know I do. If I, a circumstance happens, you know, I apply happiness, sadness, anything. You know, and we have to realize that sometimes it's just a circumstance that happened. Yeah. Now, what emotion do we want to have? Well, and the other thing to take into consideration, too, is we are just as flexible as the wind or as the rivers. And if you watch nature, if you really want to kind of understand what's going on in your own mind, in your own body, watch how Mother Nature treats things. Watch a leaf on the ground. And at any given time, that thing can be picked up and whipped around. And, you know, if it had a voice, would it be whining about it? No, it would probably be enjoying the ride while it's and on no it. And no one wants to hang out with whiners. No, Understand nobody if wants you don't to. have friends, it's probably because you're you whining. suck at whining and you suck at everything else. I mean, you're probably a really good whiner and suck at everything <laughs> yeah, else. Exactly. I meant to say that. You suck at whining. So, yeah, no, that's just, so it yeah. is acceptable. About it, you know? Yeah. Que sera, sera. Yes. That's why we have wine. Yes. Hey, no. Well, speaking of Syrah, I guess yes, what's next? Oh. <gasps> yes, Oh. Yes, the third oh. tasting. I See, love this. This is why you've got to come out to these events. I mean, seriously, Definitely. when you get a Facebook invite, RSVP. Check it out. Take the time is, to come check it out. You get wine. You get swag bags. You get food. Oh, we haven't even talked about the swag bags. I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> this is this is real life, people. Yes. I'm living it, dreaming it, having it, receiving it. Come and join. <laughs> Down, well, and, and I have to, you know, I want to help our listeners understand exactly what a swag bag is. Yeah. I think a lot of people misunderstand what a swag bag is. They think it's just full of pieces of paper. Um, being socially savvy, we have gone to great lengths to correct and go back to true definitions of what things original intent was meant. 
Um, the original intent of a swag bag was to get product, actual physical product, in people's hands so that they could enjoy it, indulge in it, and experience it. That's what a swag bag is. So, for instance, in our swag bags, we don't have a whole lot of pieces of paper. We have oh, yeah. fragrance product. We have... Um, uh, I'm getting distracted by the wine being poured. Where is mine? <laughs> um, can we see the wine so we can go ahead and shoot that too for the, the live casting? Then this is our Syrah, which we're going to indulge in. So anyway, before I get keep babbling, which I have a tendency to do, tell us a little bit about the Syrah, what, um, what we should expect from it. Back First to you, off, Phil. Uh, yeah, hello. hello. <laughs> We're here. Loving We're, the wine. Loving the conversation you guys are coming up with. <laughs> we Real, spiced very, it up Very here. relevant stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we spiced it up just in time for the Syrah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we're still sober. Yes. <laughs> well, give us an hour. Well, I'd like to, first off, uh, uh, tell you that I'm very proud of this Syrah because January 13th of 2012, Natchez Heights received recognition as an American viticultural area. Nice. We are the 12th new ABA in the state of Washington. And, um, wow, congratulations. And congratulations on 10 years, by the way. Thank you. I thank meant you. to say yeah. something, but I did not want to cut yeah. you off. Congratulations, yeah. decade. So Love this, that. This, this is 95% Syrah and 5% Moved Raw from my vineyard. It just received a gold medal at the wow. Seattle Wine Awards. Oh, wow. So what yeah, I was actually, I was there that year. <laughs> what I was hoping for is when you have an ABA, it really helps to have award-winning wines and notoriety for them because without that, your ABA really has no meaning. But um, I, like I said in the earlier conversation, my first wines, I've gotten lots of nice awards and, and points from different magazines. So this is the first one, though, with the Natchez Heights on the uh, label as an ABA. So we're very, very oh, proud of that. it. Oh, I love that. It's got a fun little spice to it. It's got, yes. it's got spunk. Well, this is this is very young. It's a 2010, and that uh, uh, lucky for me, and my according to what my accountant tells me, as long as I keep selling the wine like I do, that we can keep buying the new bottles and corks and and uh, nice for the next vintage. Keep it going. So this is a very young wine. The 2009 has been sold out for several months, and uh, we just released this around Valentine's Day, uh, 2012. Um, what's unique about Natchez Heights Syrah is this. This block of Syrah is the highest elevated block of Syrah in the state of Washington. Wow. Wow. It's at 1,800 feet, and it's a very nice example of cool climate Syrah. For people who really are used to Syrah or Shiraz, it's known in Australia, um, you know, they're bi it's a big wine. It's a masculine grape. I, I, uh, if you look at its growing characteristics, so you give it water, it will grow so much in a day. It's scary. So you have to be very careful with it. But it's I like a, it's to a think, control freak. Yes, I like to think of this Syrah, because of the elevation and because of the big dineural temperature differences, and what I mean by dineural is the difference between daytime temperature and nighttime temperature, you get a more elegant Syrah. And because the grapes are farmed organically and biodynamically, the tannins on this is very silky. That's what I was noticing because typically I loved Syrahs for a really long time and then backed off of them because the tannins got to be really heavy for me. This doesn't jump out in your face as a big typical Syrah, but what it does have is that elegance and complexity. Soft. And for a food wine, it's got great acid. And um, I think with some time, this will really start to show. Uh, I recently opened a... Uh, 
uh, a 2005 Syrah that I got 89 points from Wine Spectator back in the day. Um, one of my my first release from uh, my vineyard. I um, you know, I, I was very pleased because it's now it's seven years really old well. and it's right. really, really good. See, that's one of the the arts that I think um, Washington is just now starting to grasp. Washington wines have created a lot of their wines for drinkability right now because we did not have the history and the culture to have that longevity going. I only became aware of this because I was in a contest and somebody told me how I taste wine. I didn't I didn't know. I just drank wine and tasted <laughs> wine. But apparently when I taste wine, my brain thinks, how is this going to taste in five to seven years? Because mm-hmm. in the blending, I was blending it and talking with the person, and they told me this is what I do. Well, which is really funny because I do. I like to sit on my wines, and I love to do progressive tasting. So I'll have an 08, an 09, and a, a 2010, and sit down with really good friends, and we'll go through all of them and really enjoy the the different nuances of you know what was going on with yep. the winemaker at the time, you know. And I know some of them try really hard to be you know more systematic and more similar, but you can still taste the different flavors that come out. So very much fun. Yes. Very much fun. Yeah. I like the spice ones. Not too heavy. I do. I really, this is the first Syrah in a really long time that I could say I really, mm-hmm. I could dig that. <laughs> okay, we're going to jump over here to the uh, socially unacceptable. By far, my favorite yes. topic. By far. I was um, uh, at a wine tasting on Saturday. Italian wines. We're going to start with yours. I like this. Yeah. So uh, my distributor brought over an Italian winer, winery, and it's hard enough that they talk like this, and you're trying to understand what they're saying. So you're like, you know. Oh, I think okay, you said it right, though. Italian winer. Yes. <laughs> winer. Um, we have these ladies behind us who just would not stop talking. And then, of course, the room's like, shh, and you know, people are cleaning glasses and whatnot, and they calm down a little bit, then they come right back up. And we're trying to listen to the winemaker talk about different things. They didn't have a microphone. It was at the end of the room. We're not going to get to the socially savvy hints, but that would have been a hint. Shush. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kept on going and going. Finally, everybody just kind of moved up to the winemaker and left the, the table back over there. It was just really irritating. It's like, you know, sometimes it's important to let them talk. It's, I have had this happen at a singles event where somebody's explaining, we just did an event at Vovino's on Sunday, and they're explaining how to make this uh, jalapeno martini. People were talking. I literally had to go up and say, listen, if you would not, like, if you're not going to listen, then we're going to ask you to leave. This, wow. and, and Oh, yeah, I don't mind that at all. I've done that before, because too. Because I'm like, you know, this is not appropriate. There's more people listening than not listening. Talking. Yeah, right. You are in the minority. You're being disrespectful. You if you guys want to ca- carry on a conversation, please do so outside. Yeah. Right now, we're here listening to the demonstration of this winemaker. Please yeah. be quiet or please go outside. And I've had people. That well, is socially acceptable. If somebody else, and I'm going to say it, does not have the balls to step up to the person in the oh, room... Yeah who is being inappropriate, and this is, okay, here's the point of inappropriate. When you are affecting somebody else's experience, you Especially need to Especially the majority. Up. What yeah. people don't realize is that when there's more people quiet than the three to five people talking, somebody, somebody needs, needs to speak to up. But yeah. in our yeah. world, in our... Everybody's afraid. Everyone's extremely afraid, fearful that that yeah. person's going to talk back. Please, say yeah. something to me. Well, and this is why we say this. <laughs> this is socially acceptable. If, you, if somebody is yeah. stepping outside a, and... A, and affecting the social experience of the majority, it is acceptable to go up to them and say something. And here's what I want to tell you is you may go up and say something. You may not have the backing of other people behind you, 
But don't take offense to that. There are a yes. lot of people who are very fear-ridden. They are yes. so overwhelmed with their own fears and what people think yes. of them. You know, part of being socially savvy is growing and, and getting into your own comfort zone and finding who you are and finding what works and how to make people comfortable around you. Um, sometimes making people comfortable around you means calling out the asshole and telling them to get the hell out. Yeah, and, yep. and, and most people I'm will go ahead and, and they will not say anything back. Exactly. Not, I've never had anyone come back and say something negative back. Exactly. The last thing we've got here is a grilled cheese. This, with oh, a this is amazing. I tried some of this earlier. <laughs> yes, it's very yes. delicious. This is another great entree at Mir. Is that right? There we go. I love how they took something very casual and made yes. it fun. Mm-hmm. So they took the, the tomato soup and they thickened it up, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a toasted cheese sandwich, and they cut it in these little bite size. Very, very fun. Again, hats off to Mary. You guys did a great job, and thank you so much for letting us share with you. Um, Girly Girl Wines, a woman's wine company designed to serve women who are young at heart and enjoy their girl time in their yes. daily lives. Girly Girl Wines also donates a part of its proceeds to help fund um, breast cancer research and many other research groups. Check them out at www.gogirl, or I'm sorry, girlygirlwines.com. Hello. Mm-hmm. My voice is, I'm losing it. All righty then. Well, the last socially unacceptable we're going to hit, and then we're going to go into the events. Um, it is socially unacceptable to assume the worst. You see this all the time in emails, on socially, social media, text messages. People read things too fast and make assumptions by filling in the blanks of what they don't understand. Yes. Stop it. We don't Just have enough time. freaking stop it. We don't have any time. Stop for a minute. Read it. Clarify through positive communication and questions to figure out what's going on. One of the biggest things that you do is when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. Mm-hmm. Just knock it off. Message on the backside if you read somebody's post and you think that you understand it doesn't take you anything to put a message on the backside. Is this really what you meant? Because part of the English language is there are people who say what they mean and mean what they say. The majority reads it and doesn't take the time to process it process it properly. Yes. So it is socially unacceptable. I think that's something that even next week we can go really big into because I can tell you so many people in the couples community, in oh, the yeah. singles mm-hmm. community, assume things and are losing out in friendships, opportunities, and business ventures Well, and I just think, from assumption. And yes. I think that's the, the big key is understanding that being socially savvy isn't about being popular. It isn't about being the, the person or the star. It's about people being comfortable around you so that you can continually have a fabulous social experience no matter where you are. Love it. Yes. Where you are. That's true. All right, Seattle Wine Exchange, your personalized wine service, a locally independent-owned company providing personalized service to the wine enthusiast. They specialize in creating unique wine events, providing personal wine consultations, and offering retail sales of superior quality wine, beer, and sake. Check them out at seattlewineexchange.com and at their blog, blog, blog.seattlewineexchange.com. Thank you. We have so many fun events coming up. Um, got to check us out on Facebook. Hit Socially Savvy. Hit Renessa Rio. Hit Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always going to be posting things. I'm going to run through in 90 seconds a couple of things. This Wednesday, we have Sweet Chick Chat and Sweet Lounge present Hip Chick Spring Fever. So go yes, to Sweet go. Lounge and check this out. This one's going to be a whole fun one with a lot of great swag and prizes. Thursdays, you have Blue Martini Northwest Beauty Presents. This is their martini mixer from 5 to 10 p.m. Seattle's newest, fastest-growing upcoming magazine Throwing a party, so go to um, Blue Martini and check them out. Plan ahead. 
www.northwestbeautymag.com. Love it. Plan ahead June 13th. Thirsty Girl is going to be hitting Sweet Lounge. We were privileged enough to hit um, Thirsty Girl when they were here in Seattle the first time around, so we're very fortunate to be a part of what is coming up um, and, and going on. Looking for wine events? Go to woodenvillewinecountry.com, and you're going to get the lowdown of everything yes. that's happening on Woodenville. We want to thank our sponsors tonight, um, not just Heights Vineyard, Mirror, Gunnar Nordstrom Gallery, Suck It Up Cupcakes Catering, Girly Girl Wines, mm-hmm. Prada Candy, Femme City, Valentina Valentino Fragrances, Sweet Talk Wipes, Bellevue Nordstrom Cosmetics, Cascade Ice, Kind Bars, Pop Chips, and House Wine. And there you have it. Everybody have a socially savvy Yay. week, and we'll catch you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.